I'm learning history in Cleveland, Tennessee. Oak always is Welcome to the Curious Curators Podcast. Today we'll be discussing women's suffrage. Hey guys, welcome back to the Curious Curators. I'm Hope. And I'm Lindsay. And I want to go ahead and say happy 100 year anniversary to the 19th Amendment of the Constitution. That's women's suffrage. It is. Today makes 100 years. Uh, This will not be going out on August 18th because we are recording on August 18th. It will take some time. We're on a short break right now from putting out podcasts, but we are still recording. So Yes, so you will have a bunch of them come September. Right, so this amendment says, The right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. So that was it. That meant that women could vote. And this was a long time coming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, It definitely didn't start in 1920 or even in the 1900s. No, no. I think this was kind of a worldwide struggle in the 1800s. Um, It happened in the UK as well. And I'm sure women felt that they wanted to vote way before then anyways. Yeah. Well, and I actually read that in some of the colonies, before they became states, women did have the right to vote. Okay. Um, was there a land-owning caveat? I, I think that must have been what it was. If you okay. own land or, like, if your husband had died. Right. Or, if mo- most men owned land, or I shouldn't say that, most land was owned by men, but there were some cases where women were the right. sole inheritor of land. Yes. I think one of the big things that started in the United States with women's suffrage was the Seneca Falls Convention. Yeah, it was kind of born of the uh, abolitionist movement because a lot of women were involved in the abolitionist movement. Right, and this was in Seneca Falls, New York, and it was, you know, kind of a declaration of sentiments with women saying, like, we should have these things and this is what we want. Um, It was signed by 68 women and 32 men. Oh, okay. Yes, fantastic. But, you know, that didn't really change anything in 1848. As well, I, I, no, it didn't change any laws, of course, but I think it did set off the suffrage movement in the United States. Kind of set a precedent, I guess. Um, and then Memphis was actually the home of the first Tennessee suffrage organization, and that was in 1889. And then by the, ni- the 1890s, almost said the 1990s, um, there were 10 leagues in Tennessee. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't say Tennessee was like the most in it, but they at least had something going on. Yeah, and a new precedent was set in um, the 15th Amendment, which gave African-American men the right to vote. Um, what was interesting that I found, however, was that Tennessee had already given them the right to vote in 1867, and the 15th Amendment was passed in 1870. Okay, so Tennessee was on the right track. They were then. on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Then they were definitely on the right track. And they were also on the white tr- on the right track. <laughs> we can't talk today. Sorry. On the right track with uh, women's suffrage too. Um, they also gave um, women the right to vote in municipal and presidential elections um, in 1919 before uh, women's suffrage with the 19th Amendment had passed. And I believe it was, I wrote it down, Lookout Mountain gave uh, women the right to vote in municipal elections yes. before that as well. 1917, I think. Okay, you're right. Yes, 1917. And I, that's... You know, it's always really interesting, especially when a southern state is pretty progressive in that. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
local suffrage kind of began from other women's groups. So church groups, sewing circles. Right. These like, other women's groups began to form these women's suffrage groups in Tennessee, and that's where many of them arose from. And then you were talking about the Tennessee Women's Suffrage Group as well. Uh, the consolidated form right. rose out of these different suffrage movements that appeared in cities across Tennessee, mostly big cities, but then there were places like Maryville and... Like Out Mountain. Yeah. Like, yeah, those are pretty... Because, I mean, I guess Tennessee has, like, I guess we could say four, like, pretty large cities and then other Mm -hmm. quite large cities, but not everything was happening in those cities, so that's always a positive, especially when you're thinking, this was 100 years ago, so... and. Tennessee actually did have a pretty um, a pretty big leap forward in 1914 when they were able to get the National Women's Suffrage Association to hold their meeting in Tennessee. And that sort of jump-started a new wave of the movement as well and a new interest. Um, by that time, more than 25,000 Tennessee women were involved in uh, women's suffrage organizations. This podcast is a production of the Alderman Group and the Museum Center at Five Points. Be sure to check out all our upcoming events on our website at museumcenter.org. That's museumcenter.org. Let's continue with the show. Tennessee was on it. I like I like it that Tennessee was on the ball back then. Um, and we all know that this amendment, the 19th Amendment, was actually like passed in 1919, but in order for an amendment or in order for it to become an amendment, I guess, you need a two-thirds majority. Mm-hmm. And does anyone know what state was going to be the last one to put us over the majority? Well, if you listen to our podcast, it's, you would, it's our first episode. The state of Tennessee um, was actually the last state in that two-thirds majority. And the governor was Albert Roberts, and he called a special legislative section session to consider this proposal um and suffrage suffragists and anti-suffragists like converged on nashville because i think that it's also important to note that there were a lot of anti-suffragists that were that were women you know i actually don't know why uh either i could understand why men don't want women to vote. Yes. Yes. I Or didn't want women to vote. I, I mean, because that's 50% of the population that presently cannot vote, and they could definitely swing the election away from being in your favor. So I imagine a lot of the people who came into power under male-only votes were very concerned that they might lose it because women didn't really have political affiliations at that time. Right. Um, they were much more open to... They were not party-aligned people, necessarily. They were much more open to moving from party to party, depending. Depending on what was being said that they agreed or disagreed with. Yes. They were, they were not party loyalists, essentially. Right. They had no problem. And that's just a generalization, but overall, more than men, they were able to jump those party lines. So that becomes this wild card that some of these politicians were afraid of. But I actually don't understand the anti-suffrage sentiment other than women essentially believing that they were lesser and they they didn't have the capacity to make rational decisions because they are taught that. 
Right. Um, so I wonder if maybe that went into their minds that it was not a woman's place. A woman's place was in the home. And there was a lot of propaganda against the suffrage suffragists, though, that they were anti-family, that they were ruining the nuclear family and that kind of stuff. So well, perhaps it was that they kind of believed this propaganda that if women got the right to vote, it would ruin their families. And that was something that was really important for women and why women, for example, uh, supported the temperance movement because alcohol, they believed alcohol was a cause of broken families. Well, and um, like we've said, we did do a podcast about this, about the 1920s before, but you're moving into a completely different decade that's going to change really everything. Like the 1920s. Well, things were becoming scary. Women were wearing pants. And short skirts. Yeah, they were bobbing their hair. Smoking, drinking. Yeah. There were gangsters. Like, the 20s were wild. We've talked We've talked about this before. So, like, they were yeah, in the process. Yeah, those dang millennials. <gasps> Gosh. Or centurials, because they would have been born. Ni- 1890s, kid. <laughs> but, yeah, so they were. Hashtag, do you remember horse-drawn carriages? Oh, my gosh. I Only 90s it. kids will remember but they were definitely getting into a different time. But um, we've kind of talked a little bit about Harry T. Byrne before. Yes. Um, if you remember this, great. If not, we're going to tell you again. Harry T. Byrne um, is the one who basically made that deciding vote. His mom told him to vote in favor of suffrage, and he did. He said, boys, wasn't it like a boy should always listen to his yes. mother? Um, actually precious, but... I saw later that in the next election, like, a lot of women did support him. Yeah. And then a lot of those anti-suffrage politicians were struggling in the election of 1820. Yeah, because they had to validate their position to all these new women voters. Yeah, and it's like... Well, and I did see that um, they said around 36% of women turned out to vote in that first year. This is clearly an estimation. There's really no exact way to know. And about... 68% of eligible men had turned out at that same election. So, I mean, that's really not that bad, considering that 100% of the population will never vote. Well, right. So, like, that's that's an impossibility. Yeah, and after uh, women's suffrage passed, there were still people who were trying to repeal it, and they had something called indignation meetings. And actually, Bradley County had an indignation meeting of over Mm -hmm. 100 people showed up to complain about uh, having passed the amendment. Um, but, you know, Chattanooga had three suffrage leagues, including one for men, that over 1,000 people were a part of. So, you know, our region had just as a mixed bag as you would expect for the rest of Tennessee. You had those suffrage leagues, and you, but you also had people who were opposed. That's true. And, I mean, since this time, you know, women clearly do vote now and have also served as senators and everything else, like... Um, they, I read that 366 women have served as senators, delegates, and representatives since this 1920 election, which isn't a lot when no. you think about it, because, I mean, how many seats is it in, like, Congress? It's like, over, I mean, it's over 500 collectively, um, and those can cycle out every four years, yeah. so that's not really a lot, um, but I will say that, like, now there are more women in, oh, in well, politics. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, 100 years, that's it. 100 years that women have had the right to vote in national elections. Yeah. I want to say, like, the country's been around for so long, but, like, in comparison, 
to literally like yeah Mexico. we're a baby country we haven't been around for very long as a country but I think that this is I think this is important it's important to recognize that you yeah. know and this amendment wasn't repealed because you know you said they were trying to do it yes. only one amendment has ever been like repealed by another amendment yeah and that was prohibition yes so the 18th amendment went right down the drain but there's that is there anything else that you'd like to add no, um, I think this is a good place to to wrap up. I mean, it's we could 100 years of history we're trying to fit into 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, that's true. We could definitely talk about this for a lot longer. Oh, absolutely. We'll leave it at this today. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Be sure to join us next time as we talk all things history and tell the story of the Ocoee region. I'm learning history. In Cleveland, Tennessee, Ocoee Society, Five Points Museum, telling the story of our history, coming together as community. I'm learning history in Cleveland, Tennessee, Ocoee Society, Five Points Museum. Telling the story of our history, coming together as community. I'm learning history, Bob Pons Museum.